Hey, and welcome to uh, Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. Now, that's that's an interesting title for our podcast, but it's actually pretty pretty ingenious. Beth's here with me, Beth Elliott, uh, one of our, mar- our marketing coordinator. Hello, hello. And she came up with this, and I really like the concept. And so what this is, this is a new podcast for us, so welcome. This is the very first one. Um, industrial Automation, it doesn't have to, and then dot, 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 basically means that we're going to be talking about a lot of things about industrial automation and things that don't have to be, insert the topic here. So uh, we'll be doing uh, certain tributes to certain things. So today we're actually talking about uh, our company, Elatech, and uh, a rollout that we're doing, uh, offering to our customers and our clients all across the globe, uh, our pre-engineered systems. And these include things like uh, servo actuators, that are prepackaged, pre-engineered, and also robots. Uh, we uh, have a long-standing relationship with a lot of fantastic robot partners, um, and we are pre-engineering those systems together. So, robotics or automation systems, automated systems—they don't have to be engineered. Uh, what this is, does is this uh, is for a lot of our customers that have the capability, certain capabilities. Um, Beth, they can. There's plenty of customers that can program their own stuff. Uh, A lot of end users, especially uh, um, in various industries and vertical markets segments that can program, even design their own stuff, especially in situations we are over here in East Tennessee, so we're close to Oak Ridge National Lab. There's a lot of, well, even outside of the lab, there's a lot of, uh, be it government or non-government, there's a lot of um, intellectual property and things of that nature. And so maybe you and I don't need to know exactly what they're picking up. But they still need a robot. They still need it on a stand or a pedestal. Uh, it may need to be collaborative. It may need to be industrial. Uh, it may need to have guarding. It may not. Our servo actuators, different strokes, different capabilities, different forces. And so that's what we're talking about today. So first of all, the website. The website is www.elitech.com. And... I want to ask you a few questions today, Brandon. Cool. All right. Uh, first of all, I think we need to let people know what Elatech is and what Elatech does. So, a quick explanation of what we do. We're a professional podcasting corporation. <laughs> no, actually, we're not. Um, Elatech uh, was born in 2009. Uh, it was born by me. Um, and we were primarily systems integration company. Uh, we were doing what was, we were doing motion control, robotics, PLC programming back then, but I was really enamored with what is called today uh, industrial internet of things or industrial IoT. I didn't realize that's what I was doing then. So SCADA systems uh, and writing custom communications between devices, uh, CNC mills talking to PLCs or PCs and things of that nature. So black box, what we call a black box solution. And since then, 2009, uh, the company has grown uh, to uh, more people, more space. Uh, We have a full-on machine building division. Uh, We have, of course, our systems integration group that's part of that. Uh, We have our... um, We actually produced... uh, developed i developed a product called the data commander in 2014 didn't that win an award brandon <laughs> it did win an award uh, unfortunately an award i wasn't there to pick up but uh 
uh, our, our great friend, Kerry Donovan, our business development manager at the time, was there to do that. And so it was an exciting time. So it won the... Uh, Hardware and Software Innovation of the Year. Yeah, that's right. And so um, it was a pretty cool thing. And so what that device does is it uh, quickly, it, it, it moves data between your PLC and your upstairs uh, or cloud-based um, enterprise uh, database system that was that was really all it did at the time. Now the IOTA series, which it's grown into from Data Commander to IOTA, actually involves edge-based processing in terms of dashboards, database servers, things of that nature, still connecting to the upstairs systems. But if if everything goes to pieces, production still runs. You still have your data, and that's an important thing with manufacturing especially today, IoT in an IoT world. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as a topic one day. Absolutely. Um, but IoT, getting back to uh, Elitech and IoT, IoT is one of the things that we did. Um, motion is what we started with, so we'll always continue to do that. Motion control robotics, linear motors, and then these pre-engineered systems. And there you go. So tell me, how is Elitech different than other companies? Specifically robot companies, since we're going to talk about industrial robots and collaborative robots. Well, we, we, our mission statement is to empower our clients. And that's a little different um, from a machine build standpoint. And I'm not, I'm not knocking other machine builders and other systems integration companies. Um, they probably do the same thing or similar. But we really make it a forefront effort to partner with our customers, and that's an overused term, uh, but but genuinely try to figure out how to put a system in place that not only, as the sales and marketing people say, meets their needs the best, but, but we want to educate them. Uh, we want to help them utilize the equipment, because if they can utilize it, then we're off to the next success with them. Uh, and we do that in a couple of different ways. We do that with how we engineer our systems, but we also have our training center uh, that we train a lot of folks, and usually um, uh, we have trainings available quite often. We are in the midst of a pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, and so that's put some breaks on that, but we're making adjustments and getting ready to get that started again. But I think that separates us. We we want our customers to depend upon us from an integration and engineering standpoint where you bill hours and things of that nature. You want them to depend on you as much as possible so that you can bill that time. We don't put all our eggs in that basket. We want our customers to be empowered, to be capable of taking the solutions that we help them put in place and figuring out new and exciting things to do with them and then coming back to us and saying, hey, if we can do that, what if we could do this as well? And through that collaboration and that training, we're able to get them to that level. And next thing you know, we have partners that are truly partners that we're talking about collaborating on some very exciting projects. And we've done that in the past. I know you're aware of some of those, but uh, uh, it, it's a proven uh, kind of track record that we have. All right. Sounds great. So next question is, why should manufacturers use industrial robots? What's, I mean, what's it do for them? How's it give them an advantage? Well, sometimes they shouldn't. Um, and and that's a, that's a cold, hard fact. Uh, we and all of our engineers, I, I, I impress upon them that you evaluate every application 
really based upon the need of the individual. We've had situations, especially we mentioned robots, collaborative robots. Collaborative robots have been around for a few years, and collaborative robots kind of became the wow factor, kind of like IoT with, with data management. Uh, quite a few years back. And so there's quite a few collaborative lines out there, and we have collaborative lines. But knowing when to use a collaborative and when not to. In fact, I still maintain that I have never seen a collaborative robot actually used collaboratively. And I'm sure there's some that might be listening to this that would say, what do you mean? A collaborative robot is designed to collaborate with people. It's It, it truly is meant to, it has not to get too technical, but it has four sensors throughout the joints in some way, shape, or form, so it can tell if it's very accurately and quickly if it's coming up against something. An industrial robot can tell if the tool is colliding with something, but it may have broken the guard or broken the door. I mean, it will come in with, you know, there's industrial robots are going to be more about speed and accuracy. Collaborative robots, we want the speed and we want the accuracy, but we have to trade it off for safety because it's coming into contact potentially with people because there's a lack of guarding. At least that's how they're marketed. And so if you truly want to make sure you don't inflict damage, you better make sure that whatever the end-of-arm tooling is or the part that it's carrying doesn't inflict damage at the speed and the force that you're traveling. And so you can take you can take something that's a, a very blunt, like an empty cardboard box. If that comes up against a person, it's probably not going to inflict damage, even at a little higher speed, because of the surface area and thing, the shape, just the geometric shape. But if now you're carrying a screwdriver, something that resembles a screwdriver, <laughs> or running with scissors, so to speak, then you have to go extremely slow, and then your your force is, is pinpointed, literally, uh, to a point. And so if that comes up against a person, it can inflict damage. So the safety requirements are still there. We we certainly don't want to hurt people. So there's a lot of push for collaborative robots where we people folks have called us, customers have called us, so we want a collaborative robot because they're great because we had a sales guy in here the other day who told us they were great. And they said it was great because we could teach it ourselves, program it ourselves with direct teach, which is true to a point. Um, and we don't have to guard it. But I have never seen a collaborative robot that didn't have at least an optical guard. Optical guards meaning light curtains or safety scanners, light scanners, time of flight scanners, uh, of some sort. I mean, that's guarding. It's optical guarding, but it's guarding so that if you come too close, we're going to stop the robot or we're going to impede the robot in some way, then now it's moving within those safety guidelines very slowly. So collaborative robots are kind of the push. Uh, for folks that feel like I can teach this slash program this myself. So you can, you can grab the end of a collaborative robot. Again, because of those force sensors, it can go into a floating mode. So we can grab the end of the robot and we can move it around and teach it. That's called direct teach and it's fantastic. But there's a lot of other programming that comes into play with a robot cell. Uh, knowing what to do, what not to do, how to recover from failures, those kind of things. And that's pretty much constant through industrial robot applications, standard industrial robots, and collaborative. So it really comes down to the customer and what they're looking for. And then uh, robot costs have have come down hugely over the last two decades uh, in, in my career, uh, for sure, um, which unfortunately spans more than two decades. But uh, uh, robots used to be very expensive. They're, 
you only saw them at the large automotives and you know they're they're the building the cars yeah, yeah. Our trade shows and things of that nature <laughs> throwing basketballs that's right <laughs> but it didn't make sense for a, a manufacturing production engineer uh, or a production unit manager or something they had to really justify the cost we did a lot of cartesian systems then that's an xyz type systems maybe it's pneumatic maybe it's servo motion maybe it's a combination of the two um but even then, back then we were still, you know, we would we would estimate just on the hardware cost roughly five to six thousand dollars per axis. So a three axis system, five thousand dollars an axis, fifteen thousand dollars system. But to do a robot was three times that, two two times or three times that. Well, nowadays, not necessarily the case. So Cartesian robots, Scara robots, uh, the the Delta type high speed robots, uh, and articulated arm robots, six five and six axis robots. Are, are robots we deal with quite quite a lot. And then the collaborative versions of those. Um, so it really comes down to the customer and what they're needing. And then there's the fact uh, you can automate anything if you have enough budget. Okay. And some things don't make sense. So you have to look at the ROI. Uh, so what's the return on investment going to be? What that timeline looks like? And, and then you kind of go from there. So we, we have to look at it from a lot of different angles. Okay. So what is a robotic work cell then? That's a good question. <laughs> so a work cell um, essentially is typically the work area for the robot. And, and we call it a cell because usually it's guarded okay. fairly well. If it's an industrial robot, so it will have guarding of some sort. Uh, that's surrounding the robot. Now there may be other things in the ro- in there with the robot, conveyance systems and things of that nature. It may be multiple robots, but we refer to that as the work cell. So it's the work area for the robot itself. Kind of the robot's cubicle. Oh, okay. Um, it kind of the the lines blur a little bit with collaboratives, but again, I have never seen a collaborative use, you know, kind of hey Joe, slide over. We're moving the collaborative robot in here beside you to work. And just go to work, uh, unless that robot is moving extremely slowly, uh, because it's still a machine. It can still it can still damage people. So, what are the advantages of a pre-engineered robot work cell? Yeah, we kind of started down that path and went off. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, the pre-engineered systems that we do again work on the premise that there's people. Customers, clients of ours, uh, and clients we don't know yet uh, that that have capability in house to do some of the aspects, but maybe not all of the aspects. And so, uh, there's plenty of people. As an, an analogy, there's plenty of people that know how to use a computer, and they could probably build a computer, but they don't want to build a computer, or they don't have time to build a computer, or maybe they don't have the 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 capability. So you go to, I don't know, Dell or Apple or whomever, and you buy the computer, and then you start using it. And so it works on the same premise. And then the other thing is uh, a lot of folks want the pre-engineered systems there. So that means we're going to have a stand for the robot or a tabletop or something that houses the controller, manages the cables, and supports the robot for what it's rated for in terms of payload and speed. 
Um, and then it also gives you an environment by which you can build upon. So you can add your tooling to that if you want. You can add guarding to that. We can offer guarding as an option. We can offer the tooling engineer and design the tooling for you. Those are services. But with most, in, with most robotic integration companies, it's assumed that if you want to use them for a robot, they're going to provide it all. You're going to get it soup to nuts. They're going to, you're going to pay them for engineering the, the stand and the controller management, the wire cable management, all that kind of stuff. But also, you're going to pay them to engineer all the fixturing, engineer all the sensors and everything that come into play with that, the end-of-arm tooling, and the programming. My vantage point is, because of what we've seen, is we have a lot of customers that have that capability. But for whatever reason, they don't have the capability or they don't want the capability, they don't want to deal with the capability, they'd rather just say, put it on a table for me, make sure it fits in this envelope, make sure it's secure, and also get it to me quickly, which we can do. Um, but then I want to take it from there. Or do that and add the guarding. I want a safety scanner instead of light curtains, but then I'll take it from there. And so it's a means of them being able to use their in-house capabilities to, number one, reduce cost, uh, but also to... Again, to be empowered, to be able to do what they can do well and leave the stuff that, for whatever reason, they don't want to do to us to get done. And so that's really the concept of that. So it can uh, save them, potentially save them some money as well as uh, be out on the plant floor really fast, really easily fast. deployed. Yeah, and that really, I mean, that, that comes down to uh, what parts they're doing and how well-versed they are at that. So if they're very good at programming and, and they've got their end-of-arm tooling all designed and things of that nature, there's no reason why they couldn't uh, pull this out of the, you know, off the truck, off the crate and set it in place, do the power drops, air drops if they need them, and start. Oh, wow. Um, that, that's, the, that's the idea. And then, of course, the other thing as far as savings, you're saving money, so it's a cost savings, because... Another analogy, if you're building your house and you know how to do the electrical work and so the general contractor says, okay, I'm going to I'm going to build the house for you, but then I'm going to let you do the electrical work and that way I don't have to pay an electrician to do that. So we'll reduce the cost by that much. So you can realize that savings by offering that portion because it's something you can do. But also uh, the savings comes, comes into play and uh, in using that building on that same uh, analogy is if this is a house that you had lived in before and you're just wanting another one just like it built and you had done the engineering or the I'm sorry the electrical work on the other one and nothing's changed every wall's in the same spot and you remember exactly how you designed it before you don't have to pay someone again to figure it out because you already know well, we've already engineered systems we've engineered a lot of robots we've done a lot of robot cells and so we know what the what the, the bases need to look like, what the most common arms are, the most common sizes that we've seen, the most in, in, in the way that most people can utilize, based upon our experience, utilize the, uh, the system itself. And so you're not having to pay us or someone to re-engineer it. It's been pre-engineered. And so we don't charge for that. We amortize that across all the robot sales we think we're going to do out of this pre-engineered system, which I'm sure is going to be quite a lot, uh, we hope. So. so what's included in the robot work cell? I, th I think you went over it, but... Well, 
the the inclusion part, the base, the yeah. basic. You're going to get a robot with the controller with a teach pendant if it needs a teach pendant. And I say that because some of our scare robots uh, don't need a teach. It's optional. Let me say it doesn't need, but it's optional. And uh, so you're going to get that kind of thing with the robot systems, the controller, the robot, basically everything and mounted and ready to go. I mean, pre-mounted, not mount yourself, but pre-mounted. Uh, and then ready to pick off the truck with the forklift put in place on the plant floor and again power drop air drop and then you take it from there so it's kind of a plug and play type thing huh or, eh, well kind of you know? sorta I mean you know you're gonna apply power and you're gonna apply air but you're still going to have to uh, you know any software features or whatnot that you ask for or we have a basic offering uh, so with some of the uh, the companies we represent fanic is one um, you have to specify as an option. Uh, field bus connectivity, for example. So um, certainly can be added after the fact, but uh, most of the time this needs to be specified up front. Well, Ethernet IP, as an example, is very, very common field bus. Uh, it's utilized by Rockwell Automation, their PLC sets, but also Omron and, and on and on and on. Uh, so our base model includes Ethernet IP that option okay. so that it's the software is preloaded it's ready to go so that when you do set it on your floor powered up you're going to have to configure of course the communications with the plc your plc and things of that nature but um you don't have to worry that the software is not there to do it so do you offer any training any types of training for folks that buy these pre-engineered robot work cells we do like i said earlier our training center has been stifled or stymied a little bit because of the pandemic, but we're making adjustments on that. The other thing, though, on the robot cells is while we build a lot of robots, there's, a, of course, a large expense in keeping just robots for training. So we, we And we also want to keep those relatively small. Um, and we like to, I like to keep them short. Uh, you, All of our partners, all of them, will allow you to go to their facilities. They have facilities across the U.S., uh, to do their official training. Usually those trainings are anywhere from three to five days. And a lot of our customers have asked us, I mean, we didn't just dream this up. We've gotten feedback from our customers, been asked to do do things, and I think it makes a lot of sense. That's why we did it. It's we need training for our maintenance crew. Uh, they need to be able to not write programs from blank zero and up, Uh they need to be able to go in and take an existing program and modify it, for example, or uh, reteach points or, 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 or tweak some uh, coordinate positions or things in the, coordinate planes and things of that nature, user frames. So we offer those as one-day and two-day trainings. And the reason that's important is because it's a lot easier for someone to come out of the plant and come here. And we also, for East Tennessee and, and the Southeast United States, we're closer usually than some of the other facilities. Um, but shorter and closer is more feasible as far as getting your people trained, the costs go down. And then hopefully if it's a day training, you don't have to have hotel stays and that kind of thing. But, you know, there's an expense there, but in COVID-19, not a lot of people are really too excited necessarily to be staying at hotels overnight and they'd rather be in their own beds at, at night and that kind of thing. So we're trying to be sensitive to all of that, but, um, uh, but the answer is absolutely yes. Now, if they do want advanced training, 
we typically work with our, uh, we, we, we're not a replacement for the partners that we represent. Uh, we are an augmentation. And so if they want true certified programming and things of that nature, we're going to uh, couple that through the training centers uh, within our own, you know, our partners run. Uh, and they're, they're all over the, like I said, they're, they're geographically located in different places according to the brand that you're talking about. Uh, and then we can also use our training center, uh, if we wanted to, to bring them here if we need a local place. Um, and then finally, uh, they certainly can do an on-site for customers, but there's usually an expense, a pretty high expense <laughs> for that. But, um, but it, it's, it's a possibility. Okay. That's good to know. So what advice can you offer the listeners when they're ready to buy a robot? Well, step one, um, you created a fantastic website for us that shows these engineered systems and things of that nature. Uh, the website is a great way to reach out to us. Again, that's www.elitech.com. And Elitech spelled a little differently. Uh, E-L-L-I-T is in tango. E-K is in kilo. So T-E-K.com. Um, and you can learn, of course, about the pre-engineered systems there, but also our IoT and all the other de uh, devices that we utilize. Um, but that, that's a great way to get in touch with us. You can pick up the phone and call. Uh, people don't call much anymore. Not but, anymore. <laughs> uh, they want to text and things of that nature and email, but certainly those, those capabilities are there as well. So uh, I would say reach out to us through the website. Give us a call on the telephone. You're always welcome to stop by. Again, we're in a COVID world, so stopping by, uh, you know, we mask up and we do all our stuff. So, um, but yeah, we would love for, for folks just to, to, to either email us or, or give us a call. All right. Do you have anything else you want to share about the pre-engineered robot work sales? I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about them. Uh, you it know, is. we didn't talk much about the servo actuators. No, we didn't. Um, and, and I like those as well, too. Of course, that's going back to my... All of this is my motion background, but I started um, with servo motion. And so uh, what we've got here is, is this is not something you know, I understand. We're not manufacturing these uh, robots and these actuators and these motors. These are partners that we partner with. So with our robots, Fanuc, Motoman, Hanwha, uh, those are the primary partners that we, we utilize with motion, it's Yaskawa motion. Yaskawa has been around forever and they're fantastic and telematic actuators. And so what we've done is we've taken those things. We've done the engineering for you to say this, um, uh, this, this servo motor and this actuator, be it a ball screw actuator, rod type actuator, uh, belt driven actuator, you know, rodless type. Uh, we have engineered these systems together and we know that they can perform to this level, to this speed, to this force, according to the application and the configuration. And then we've created our own custom function blocks. Some of them were already done. So Yaskawa for Allen Bradley, for example, uh, Allen Bradley PLCs can drive, directly drive, uh, Yaskawa um, servo motion, whether it be on our package solution, pre-engineered solution or not. Uh, it's done a lot. Of course, Yaskawa has their own fantastic controller uh, that's an IC six eleven thirty one style of, of programming, um, but they can they can drive that through the function blocks. But we have also created function blocks for the for our Omron customers that are using Omron communicating to uh, our Yaskawa drives over Ethercat, uh, and we've created function blocks within 
Yaskawa, uh, taking their already existing function blocks and turning it into things that allow us to do push to force or home to a hard stop or common things that you would expect to do with a servo actuator. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of servo actuator companies. I'll say there's some primary servo actuator companies out there that that's what they make. They make an integrated motor actuator product, and they've always been fantastic because they're easy to use and they're low cost. But when you have something that's low cost, ah, uh, you get what you pay for. I you kind of <laughs> get what you pay for, and it can break. It doesn't last. And the, and then the next thing is Linmont. Linmont Motion is our linear motors, and we package those together into. You you can buy a linear motor by itself, and then you've got a lot of engineering to get it all put together in an actuator to make an actuator out. You got external bearings and things that have to happen to keep the stator in the in in the uh, um, rotor. I guess you would call them. Uh, uh, to keep the, there's going to be an air gap there. And so to build that with any linear motor system, any linear motor system is, is an engineering workload. We put those together with Linmont and their products into a pre-engineered, pre-configured system. So all you have to do is mount it to your machine or mount it in place. Uh, or if we're doing multi-axis with a high-speed XZ or YZ or... XY type Cartesian system at linear motor accelerations and, and thrust and speeds, they're, they're lightning fast and highly accurate. Um, but it's all put together for you in a module, modular form. So they're bolted together, they're ready to mount. So then you just apply your tooling. We can engineer the tooling if you want, but if you want to do that, it's again the pre-engineered concept. You do what you can do and we'll fill in the gaps. And so those types of systems I'm really excited about. I don't know why. they Linear motors are pretty awesome no matter what to watch, but uh, everybody loves watching Articulate on robots. These collaborative robots are really cool to watch, kind of like watching fire. Um, and I think the servo actuator solution get kind of a bum rap, but they're pretty interesting to, <laughs> to watch, and, and especially if you're doing any type of pressing or injection or things of that nature we've used we've got a lot of customers that are using it for that where they need the mechanical stability are these cheaper than the other ones that are out there no but are these things going to last or are these things going to get you to a thrust force that you you know on a standard product that you have to pay extra or is not even available with some of the standard pre uh i don't say integrated actuators uh, yes, absolutely, they're going to exceed that performance. And, and so if you need that or if you want to install it and forget it kind of attitude uh, from a mechanical or, or uh, uh, how, you know, the long-lasting concept, number of cycles concept, then these are the, these are the things that, that – that's the those are the applications we're looking for. Okay, so uh, what what types of applications then? I mean, yeah. is that the – to explain it to to me in the in – the, down to earth. Uh, well, type okay. Of so we again, you've got different configurations. So I mentioned a rod type, which is like a, a cylinder, which means you have a rod that's extending or, or contracting, um, and then you have a rodless, which means you have more of a uh, a cylinder that has a carriage that's moving down and back, the length of the of the actuator itself. And so if you have the carriage type or the rodless type, then you can create. Um, if you stack one on the other at 90 degrees, you've created an XY 
type system. And so it can move in one direction and the other direction simultaneously, which means now anywhere in an XY plane, we can move to those coordinates. We can do coordinated motion moves so we can, we can draw curves, circles, things of that nature. So where's that important dispensing, pick in place, uh, actually inspection systems. So if we're moving a camera around, um, again, dispensing nozzles, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do with an XY system, pick in place, moving materials, picking them off of a conveyor onto, you know, loading them onto a, some tooling on a rotary index table or something along those lines you can certainly do. And those can be done pneumatically, but the servo concept means that with the pneumatics you typically have one, or sorry, two, two points, extend or retract. You, you can do some tricks with pneumatics where you can do a three position or, or maybe even more. But once you start trying to do that, it becomes kind of bulky and hard to deal with. But with a servo, you can always accurately move to a specific position at a specific speed. And so with pneumatics, flow controls and things of that nature, and I don't want to get into the... I mean, I know if you're listening, there are <laughs> servo valves and things that we can do to control pneumatics, but... I mean, come on, guys. At the end of the day, compressibility of air, you know, if it's hydraulic, yeah, hydraulic servo servo uh, valve will work. But let, let's bring it down to, to what Beth's asking. Uh, um, an electric actuator like this allows us to do a lot of things. So if we want to press, if, we, if we're engaging a part to press something on, gluing something onto an object, for example, uh, or pressing something into a, into a hole or a space or something, we want to make sure that we don't press too hard. We, but we don't want to press too softly. Uh, we want to make sure that we watch that that force. Uh, if something needs to seat in to a certain point, we want to see it go a certain distance. We don't want to see it just go to a certain force. Because if it's going in, I'll use the technical term, all cattywampus, <laughs> then it's not going in straight. We'll achieve... A high force but we didn't move it in so you want to be able to look at those kind of things you can do that to a point with pneumatics but not nearly as accurately and not with as much uh, flexibility as you can with a servo based uh, electric actuator well that's all the questions i have about that we've had a full session here so it's been really cool um i appreciate your questions we're going to keep doing this, and again, industrial automation, it doesn't have to uh, It doesn't have to be something, and we're going to be coming out with those and we'll be promoting those. So today, industrial automation and robotic work cells, and don't forget servo actuators, they don't have to be engineered. We can take care of that for you. So give us a call, call visit our website, and go from there. Our phone number is 865 865- Four zero nine one five five five. All right, and we're in Knoxville, Tennessee. So go Vols! Hopefully, we have a football season hopefully. this year, <laughs> and uh, I think we will. Thank you. Mm-hmm.